Okay, so this time I actually want to go over what it takes to actually uh, to what it takes to deal with the filler monster and how to overcome it. This is what I'm going to try and do my best to give you as much information as I can in the most concise manner of what needs of how you deal with this villain monster. Third Nephi, chapter 17, verses 14 through 15. And it came to pass that when they had knelt upon the ground, Jesus groaned within himself and said, Father, I am troubled because of the wickedness of the people of house of Israel. And when he had said these words, he himself also knelt upon the earth. And behold, he prayed unto the Father, and the things which he prayed cannot be written. And the multitude did bear record who heard him. So this is an example that even Jesus Christ, the most perfect person of all, when he's glorified and he's resurrected, and he's still praying to the Father. But you see how he goes straight into his feelings when he starts praying to Heavenly Father. He starts saying, I am troubled. And he's standing when he says that. And then he falls to his knees, right? And then, it, then he... So that's an example for us that if we have to just go straight into our feelings, by all means, do it. Uh, God is there for us. We don't always have to be so formal. If we, if we just have to, like, uh, say it at a dinner table while we're just at the dinner table or while you're driving or while you're out on a walk uh, or just when you're doing a formal prayer, uh, just just go straight into talking to him about how you feel. Your feelings are never wrong. They are never right either. They just are. They are not controllable. As in, you cannot control what and when to feel. You can control what you focus on and your actions on those feelings. You can control your attitude, but you can't control how you feel. If you feel sad, you're going to feel sad. If you feel angry, you're going to feel angry. And if you feel joy, you're going to feel joy. You can't really, you can't uh, control these said feelings. And you, you might think like, oh, no, that's not true. I can control them. If you can't control them, why would you ever allow yourself to be anything but happy and joyous? Right? Because why? You can't do that. You can't just start up and start feeling that way. You can control what you focus on, and what you focus on might change how you feel. But you can never just directly just say, oh, all of a sudden, I'm going to feel joy. I'm not going to feel sad. No, it can't be done that way. Another example of just going into your feelings and working it with God is Job. Like if you read the book of Job, Job endured to the end, but he did endure with complaining, with depression, asking God what sins he did to deserve such trials, asking God to take away his trials like he wished he was never born. But he kept praying. He kept working his feelings out with God like I mean, God had to correct him, and he repented, but it does, it, the, the point is is that he kept praying, he kept working his feelings out. No matter how bad it was, no matter how many traumatic events kept happening, he kept turning to God to say, God, this sucks, or I don't like this. What did I do to deserve this? What's going on? What am I doing wrong, right? Even even he's just like, I, I feel horrible. Let's work this out, God. And another thing I want you to know is that God gives you permission to grieve, to feel what you need to feel. Even if it's 20 years ago, 40 years ago, however how long ago it was, no matter how insignificant you think it is, how it's, time does not heal grief. Not time alone. Not time itself. But time with God sharing your grief with him heals grief. 
again, grief is the love that was failed to be given, whether the failed that the love that you didn't get that you deserved, or the love that you were supposed to give yourself that you didn't, or the love that you're supposed to give other people that you didn't, and the love that you can no longer give, like you can't love this person the way you want to anymore. Uh, this person can't love you the way you want them to anymore. Like it's, it's, and then accepting the way things happened, accepting that you can't undo the past, accepting that it's happened the way it did. You're going to have to deal with the consequences going forward, even if those choices weren't made by you. But as you start feeling, you don't always have to like cognitively dig through your feelings. Okay. Sometimes you just got to feel because the problem with trying to worry about what, what it is you're trying to feel, it can distract you from the actual healing process of feeling the buried feelings. So sometimes you might find yourself just turning into that seven-year-old or that four-year-old again and feeling the horrible feelings of pain when that emotional flashback hits and you just find yourself crying or raging uh, as if you were there all over again. You know, so that's part of the emotional flashbacks. It's part of the healing process. And that's part of feeling. Please rest assured that God does care how you feel. And just like how my four-year-old son cries to me and he lets me hug him and I will comfort him with words of love and look to make things better for him. That is exactly how God feels when you share your grief with him. Or I'm sorry, when we share our grief with him. Because when we run up to him, we come crying to him saying, Father, it was so horrible. It hurts so much. Of course, a loving father is going to have compassion. Of course, he's going to care how, I, how we feel. And of course, he's going to say, tell me what happened, son. Tell me where it hurts. Tell me why it hurts. Tell me how horrible it was. And this brings me to the point that trauma is subjective. Like it's neither, it, and this trauma can be traumatic events happening to you or not even to you, but to your loved ones close to you. That can create trauma for you, even if it wasn't you, the person who went through the abuse, you still went through the abuse because of it did happen to someone else. So it did emotionally still abuse you. And it could be anywhere from someone stole my candy to, you know, the horrible overhaul of sexual, mental, emotional abuse daily for years and years and years, brainwashing, whatever. Like, and then just how you never judge a child for whatever they're crying about. You just love them and support them. That is what God does for us. If it hurts us, it hurts him. It's important to us. It's, it's, it's going to be a huge detrimental to us. It's important to God to help him for him to work it out with us. Because he wants us to feel good. Because he loves us. But then you start thinking about, well, how do I even start taking on this feeling monster, right? Like, how do you have any time to grieve? Like, if you bring up grief to people, a, gr a grief or grieving to people, they're like, who has time to grieve? I'm too busy. Like, I get that. But the, the starting place it comes to with how you start getting these feelings healed is you can't just, like, cognitively think about them. You can't just, like, all of a sudden, like, talk to God about these horrible feelings if you're not feeling those said trapped feelings at this moment if you're not going through the flashback if you're not going through the grief at that moment you can't just talk about it later uh, this was my biggest problem with going to counseling it's like you can never talk to the counselor when the feelings are upon you, you you're always talking to them in the middle of the day in the middle of your busy schedule so there's so many times I just found myself running around in circles with my counselor because I'm not feeling those feelings at that moment. So I'm not really getting anywhere to talk about those said feelings. But when I start feeling those weird feelings, it's usually at awkward times, like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. or, you know, on the weekend or something like that. And then all the, guess what? You can't call your counselor then. And 
maybe you could get away with calling a suicide hotline and you might get someone nice to let you talk. But even then, it's someone who doesn't even know you. And so it's like, ah, I mean, that just brings me back to the point that you can't just all of a sudden be like, OK, I'm going to start digging through my feelings today so we can process all of this so I can feel better tomorrow. No, it doesn't work that way. As much as I love to tell you this is an overnight one time deal or it can be a short time process, it's not. So the only thing you can do is deal with the feelings as they come upon you. And you will experience more feelings coming upon you, though, when you start experiencing more vulnerability. This is the biggest thing when it comes to abstaining from your addictions. You have to start losing control over things. That's the only way you can, or the illusion of control. You never really had control, as, as much control as you thought. But you had the illusion of control, which helped you feel some type of uh, way of coping with life, right? So when you start experiencing this vulnerability, to get to that said vulnerability, that means you're going to have to start giving up some stuff. Like the drugs, the porn, the sex, the masturbation, the alcohol, the toxic relationships, and even video games or, and or social media if you have to. Like if these things are nubbing your feelings and every time you start uh, feeling, you start feeling bad again, you just need to find a quick fix with one of these things. It's just going to put all your feeling monster issues in your grief back to the bottom of your body and it's going to get buried again and it's it's just a pain in the butt to get them back out again again with the way your sub mind subconscious mind is when it comes to this feeling monster it is the like the most scariest thing in the world ever to experience even for one second that's why you spent your whole life wrecking your life to avoid feeling this monster for only for one second your sub mind anyway now of course if you consciously knew was aware you might have done something about this a long time ago but your sub mind is what's in charge of keeping you alive and that's why it says hey we are never ever experiencing this even for one second you understand me but if you're really serious if you if you're really serious about getting the healing getting the feeling monster taken care of so you can start receiving love so you can start getting healthy people in your life so you can start feeling free to know that this this burden of grief and this despair that's been haunting you your whole life, these emotional flashbacks, these feeling monsters, keeping you on a leash of like, you never have a moment's peace because you never feel safe. Like you can actually get free from that. And the people who have gotten free from it have done the grieving process. It's always the grieving process that sets them free, whether they're believers in Jesus Christ or not. The people who put in work to grieve their flashbacks and grieve their trauma are the ones that get freedom. And there's many testimonials of these. But again, so if you start being sober and you start doing your prayers, you start doing your best efforts to love God and to share your feelings with him if you can, you might be good for about two or three weeks going cold turkey. You might be okay. You might be able to last that long before you start really start freaking out because that's when the feeling monster starts surfacing. The guilt, the shame, the guilt and shame of the stuff you've done recently, the martyrdom, the way you're trying to uh, take blame for things you didn't do, the grief, like the horrible love. I mean, the, hor the horrible ways you were failed to be loved. The falsehoods, like where you believe in it's your fault, believe in you deserved all these horrible things, like just all these feelings trapped up in the one hitting you like a ton of bricks. The feeling monster and or Satan pretending to be you will lie to you saying you don't deserve to be loved. 
because no one protected you or that you deserve all this abuse, that you should have been more perfect than what you were. Because if you were more perfect, you could have changed things like like it was all your fault, like or it's all your fault that you were powerless to protect the people that you loved. Like, oh, it was all your fault. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. He wasn't there for you. He just allowed all this horrible abuse to happen to you day after day after day. What makes you think he cares now? That's why you must build yourself up for some time for this moment of courage to stand up to these negative voices to say no more no more lies it's not true god told me how valuable i am how much he has sacrificed just to give me hope alone how his greatness is a part of me because i am from him you kept me chasing toxic relationships you kept me in horrible addictions you kept me showering me in despair you kept lying to me you said that God doesn't care about me because he let this stuff happen, but you're the one who doesn't care about me. You're the one who hates me because you're the one who keeps putting me in this pain over and over. I talked to God about this. I talked to him. He said that he did care. He said that he did want to intervene. And he says that he will hold those people accountable for the way they messed me over. So he does care. He is setting things right. Not you. You keep lying to me with these lies about how I have no value and how I should just keep keep selling myself away to these drugs and these addictions and these sex addictions and these horrible relationships that keep up a toxic abuse in my life over and over just so I can feel avoid feeling loved for one second. Like who's going to protect me from that? That's the stuff that God's trying to protect me from right now that you're not trying to protect me from. You're just trying to cause more of that to happen to me. God is on my side now. God has building me up. God says I don't have to take this abuse anymore. He says I never had to take this abuse. I was taught wrong in my earlier years, but now I am taught right because of the knowledge and the power and the wisdom of God. I say, depart from me, Satan. I do deserve to be loved. I am a child of God. I did deserve love. I did deserve to be protected. I did deserve to have loving parents. I did deserve to have a loving, wholesome family. I do deserve to have peace. I do deserve freedom. I do deserve to have healthy, loving relationships. I do to have. I do deserve to have good things happen in my life. And I could have had more good things happen to my life if I didn't let you lie to me and abuse me for so many years. I'm getting out. I'm feeling this. I'm feeling this feeling monster. You can't do this to me anymore. I'm tired every time I find a decent good-looking woman i keep destroying her for no reason one who's actually nice and likes me back i keep destroying it i'm not gonna do that no more i'm not gonna keep using these horrible addictions anymore get them away from me i'm gonna share my grief with god because there's god will heal me from my grief i have to look to the serpent's head and be healed and that's what i'm gonna do right now <laughs> and after this first time like the first time you really feel it really hits you so hard you really do feel like you're gonna die you feel like your heart's beating squeezed you're in just so much agony of pain which is just wish it would stop because it feels like an eternity of hell and it's but it's grief though because you're like ah oh, it was so horrible it's just such a horrible thing that happened i'm able to help anyone not able to protect the ones i loved all the consequences of the way things happen that's just the way it is it's the way it happened just let it out. Just feel as much as you can. Feel as much as you can when these vulnerability moments happen. When you've been sobering up and you start going pacing for a, a fix. And you, you're you pacing. You're getting cold sweats. And you, you're panicking. You're going through that phone. Looking for somebody to call. Looking for some type of distraction. Because you feel so bad. And you're afraid this feeling much is going to kill you. It's not. Just feel it. Feel it as much as you can. And if you have to lay down on your bed in like a snow angel position... 
heart spread out so that when you do feel this intense pain of grief, you could, it'll start to leave your chest and it will start to leave your body and just feel, feel, feel as much as you can. Let it kill you. Let it em embrace the feelings. Allow it to t just consume you and like let that grief surface and consume you and it hurts like hell. But 10 to 15 minutes later, you'll find yourself breathing normal again. If, if for some reason you're going beyond 15 minutes, I'm sorry, for the most part, it usually stops around 15 minutes. But you want to try to stop at 15 minutes. It, I mean, again, like I said, I know there's people who've done it longer, like that lady who cried for like four or five hours straight about the grief, about the love, the loving dad, a father she never got since her father was sexually abusive to her every day. But, you know, to her, that's what she felt she had to do. But even she said, like, hey, there's a difference between grieving and just following the despair and self-pity. Like, so she was focusing on the grief. She wasn't focusing on self-pity and being in despair. That's the other big thing when you get to this point. It's going to be real easy to default to despair, like I said before, where you start saying, you know, oh, I don't just, I just always broken i'm always gonna be alone or i never no good things happen to me or i i i you know god loves other people he doesn't love me there's forgiveness for everyone else but me big huge lies like that like everything was my fault when it wasn't or like you deserved the abuse when you didn't no no that's not true lies of satan and that pain of despair is forever so if you do find yourself saying well, i was crying and crying for hours and hours and i never got any better well that's because if you're crying and crying about those despair things then yes you're not going to get any better because those aren't true but if you can like make a conscious effort to uh, see heavenly father or jesus christ right next to you you know uh like i did one time where i was crying on a towel and i had the towel on my arm and I was just crying and soaking my eyes in the said towel. But I imagined it was Jesus I was putting my head my my head upon and my eyes upon. And I felt the Holy Ghost hug me during that pain, which only lasted for me for that one was that one was only like five minutes. I bet I, I have to tell you, the first two or three times I'm sorry, the first one to three times hurts really, really bad and it's really so draining. But after the third time, it gets a lot easier. It's a lot less unknown, so you're not so scared of the unknown anymore. Uh, you're a lot more resilient because you built up a, quite a few emotional muscles at this time. And I mean, it doesn't mean the emotional flashbacks and dealing with the grief doesn't suck because it still does. But it is it doesn't suck as nearly as bad as it first did. It's becoming a lot more manageable. And that's the thing about dealing with this grief cycle and dealing with the feeling monster when it's upon you is because, you know, life's going to happen. And then and you're you're going to think you're done with your grief and then you're going to something new's going to happen, like you're going to get married. And then like, oh, whole new set of vulnerability and a whole new set of uh, triggers are going to show up for you now. So looks like you're going to be feeling a lot more. But uh, the biggest thing is, is that you know what to do when you get these feelings, right? You know that the feeling monster is always lying to you. You know that the grief it causes you is temporary. Uh, you know that the, the falsehoods are not true, right? Because again, they're falsehoods for a reason. That's why they have the word false in them. And you start developing this trust with God that you can share your feelings with him when they do hit. And you start sharing your feelings with him about other stuff too. So you don't have to wait for a big volcano eruption all the time. 
but you'll find as you really, especially after your first two or three times, as you really start dealing with the villain monster and the flashbacks and you start getting your grief healed with God because you share it with him uh, or you, you just properly mourn, that that's what stops the addiction. That's what helps you stop wanting it in the first place. Because again, the whole reason you wanted it was to stay safe from the monster. But now that the monster got dealt with and you're not so scared of it, you're like, what do I need you for? You just keep wrecking my life. Get away from me. Like, yeah, I don't watch your porn. I don't watch your drugs anymore. I don't watch your alcohol anymore. I, I needed you to get me safe from the monster. But now that I know how to take on the monster myself when stuff happens and that God got me and I'm going through this process throughout life, I don't need your little fix. Little fix causes me more problems. It just causes me more grief. And that's the other thing you got to understand, too, is that you don't want to do too much at once, okay? Because if you do too much at once, it can backfire, and you might find yourself uh, hiding from the filamaster extra because you uh, put in too much work, okay? Because you don't want to really go beyond three times a month. Uh, if you could probably get away with four, but I wouldn't go past three times a month of really experiencing these deep feelings. Uh, so once you've gone past your three times and you're still having a hard time and still getting triggered and you're still getting feelings, uh, by all means, find a healthy distraction, right? Go out for a run, find people to hang out with, uh, you know, find healthier distractions to help you cope with it. Because again, you don't want to do too much, you know, uh, if you got to watch a movie, play a game, whatever, because you already put in a good three, good three solid filling sessions that month, by all means, have a little break. And it'll be like two or three times a month, going month to month. Sometimes it might go every two or three months. And the first two years, it's going to be like that. Uh, but you at least start enjoying the process. So here's the biggest thing when you first go through the feeling monster, the first time you really feel and you really go through that hell. I was telling you about the agony, the heart being squeezed, like that eternity of hell where you just wish you were dead or you pray God would take your life because of how painful that said flashback or grief is. Is that because... Um, after that, yeah, you still feel drained maybe that rest of the night, but the next day you feel like a million bucks or a billion dollars because a million dollars isn't that much money nowadays, right? So <laughs> now you're like, man, I feel like a billion bucks or a trillion dollars because of how much lighter you feel, how much healing you've gotten, how much relief you have. And the fact that you experienced it at least the one time gives you so much courage to know I can feel again and it won't kill me. If anything, I get better from it. And with that, that's what—that's when you start getting that grace that I was talking about. You get grace from day one. You start experiencing the journey from day one. Even though, yeah, I told you it might be a couple years to really get a good scrubbing, but it doesn't—it doesn't mean that you won't enjoy those two years. Those two years that I referred to, I had some of the best times of my life during those years. I had so much comfort. I had so much grace from God that I enjoyed my healing process. God gave me extra breaks. God gave me extra relief from anxiety at nights. God sent me the right people in my life to help build me up and affirm me. God sent me text messages because I would get text messages from people that said, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but for some reason I feel God wants to, me to say this to you. I've had friends randomly call me up for no reason. Just be like, Mark, Mark, I don't understand why, but you're up my, your name is in my head over and over and I have to call to see how you're doing. And that moment he happened to call me was when I was going through my emotional flashbacks, my feeling monster feeling sessions. Well, some of my first ones I was going through. 
you get to experience the Holy Ghost hugging you and affirming you as you go through that horrible agony, that you don't feel alone, that you do feel comforted, as long as you're not just feeling sorry for yourself and the pity party and despair thing. And if you do find yourself in that spot of the pity party and despair, ask God to help you get out of it. Ask God. That's what I did. I asked God to help me to not just be all feeling sorry for myself. Help me to really get this out. And again, as you get to your first session and you start building yourself up more, you start believing it more because you're like, hey, I build myself up saying I am a good person. I am love. I do deserve to be loved. And remember that healing session you had. And this the spirit will just affirm it even further that, yes, you're right. I do deserve love. I experienced it. You can start on learning this horrible thinking that you develop from a child to survive. Like they have to be perfect all the time to get love or that you have to... Um, Constantly beat yourself up over every little mistake to make sure that the, you don't get abused by people. It's like, no, you don't have to over-abuse yourself in front of people. You don't have to be Dobby like on Harry Potter, that little that little uh, elf that kept torturing himself in front of Harry Potter saying, yeah, I made a mistake. Please don't be mad at me. See, I abused myself, so you don't have to abuse me. Like, And Harry's like, I wasn't even going to abuse you, man. I mean, I, yeah, that's the way it is with God. God's like... We might try and beat ourselves up and everything. Be like, look, God, please don't be so mad. Hey, I beat myself up. I put myself down. And God's like, I don't want you to put yourself down. Being humble isn't about beating yourself up. Being humble is about recognizing who's the boss. It's about recognizing that God is the boss, that you are not, that you are to listen to God, not to tell God what to do, but to ask for God's counsel. I'm just saying that this whole thing is a process, but you do get grief. You do get relief. You do get wonderful experience love on the first time you to look into the servant's head you are looking and believing jesus will heal you and jesus is healing you because you looked and you told him told him how you felt jesus cared how you felt you cried jesus cried with you you said you don't know how it feels you just said i do know how it feels i personally experienced it too it sucks god wants to heal us he wants to love us he wants us to share our feelings with him, especially those feelings of grief that we're hitting over years and years that have been wrecking our lives, especially those feelings. He wants us to get better. He wants us to receive his love and to stop beating ourselves up. And I have done my best to share my testimony and my experience about this feeling monster process. And I do so in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.